Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. treasure play a little bit more for us all to realize with what's going on around the world today that we are all treasures. It has been a whirlwind that's been going on on so many parts of the world and so much for us to be thankful for. So I'm going to bring on my uh, co-host and I'm his co-host and it's Jay Logan and we're going to bring him on today. Hello Jay, how are you? I am doing okay in chilly, freezing, California, rainy. It's kind of strange. It's like our, our winter shifted to uh, to May, so it's May winter. <laughs> you know, we're, we're having a very uh, similar type of weather situation out here as well. And, um, you know, it's just been, it, during the day is beautiful, and sometimes at night it can be very cool, although the past few nights have been much better. You know, Jay, it's it's um you know usually we're we're both so happy and everything, and and we still are happy. But you know, this series of events around the world um, have me a little serious today. And yes. it, go right ahead, sir. Oh no, yes, there's a lot going on all over, and um, you know we must uh, just be strong and focus and 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 be helpful. So. Yes, it's uh, been a rough, rough, rough uh, week this week, and praying for all the people around the world, earthquakes and bad weather and accidents, and we here at Listen Gives, we wanted to let everybody know that um, we always, we're always looking out for the best, looking up for the best, and hoping everybody is blessed. So, uh, yes, and also it's a void, you know. We want uh, the people to know from Savoy that we are definitely looking out for the children around the world with Savoy and making sure that all children are safe where they are and, you know, just looking at everything that concerns kids with Savoy. So, listen, given Savoy are really, really committed 
to life, you know, being in a better way. You know, I want to start off with a piece of news, Jay. First of all, we're going to announce our, that our guests are Nicole Condon-Duncan, who's coming back, and also Harriet Shigarman. They call her Climate Mama, Jay, and she deals with climate and advocacy. So we're going to have an open dialogue conversation today again, about youth and education and climate. And Jay and I are going to have a, a subject matter that we bring to our guests and then have an open dialogue for a few minutes about it, but not about what's going on, as we say, Jay, but more about what are the possible solutions to these situations. You know, and before they come on, one of the things that I'd like to bring up with you, Jay, is Nepal. Having Nepal have a second tremor to the earthquake they've already had where they lost so many lives it's you know what do you do in the case of mother earth you know is this global warming you know what is it it's so concerning what do we do what are your thoughts on it jay well you must all we can do is it's rebuild you know it's basically Especially what we can do, we can't control um, the planet. The planet apparently thinks that the planet is not too happy with us, um, but we must help and um, rebuild. It's very sad, and you know, me and you both, we got friends over there. You got a couple friends over there. The ones that I met in Japan, his family, and um, it's just so sad. And just the children. One guy was able to save a lot of children. He said he didn't care about his life. He just wanted to go in there and save all the children. And I saw him this morning on the Internet talking about how he didn't even think about himself. We all must come together as a planet um, and help the planet, you know, because that could happen in America. You know, it's not like, you know, earthquakes, they don't have names on them. You know, it's all over. So, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people come to help. I want to see the same effort that was made in Haiti, same effort that's made with all the United Nations working together to try to help some of these people that's lost their homes, kids, loved ones. Um, it's just, it's just, it seems like it's, it's been more earthquakes lately in these years than it was in the past, you know, to me. So I, maybe it's something we're not doing here to take care of the planet since the planet is a living organism. Maybe... Uh, <laughs> I'm just theoretically thinking maybe it's something we could do. Say, be nice, Mother Earth. We'll be good, you know. We'll take care of you. So global warming, all the stuff that we do, um, uh, you know, taking the oil out the ground, and you know, we, who knows? You know, who knows the effects after years and years and years of, of uh, taking. So. I must agree, Jay. I must agree. I, I must agree with you. One of the things that I have been reading is that Antarctica is literally melting it's almost like the rainforest, you know, and here's the thing. We've got two sides of the equator. We've got Antarctica melting as quickly as possible, and then we're killing off the rainforest. We've been killing off the rainforest for years, and this is some of the effects of that. You know, we're not taking this seriously. You know, it's all about big oil, and this is not about being an activist. It's not about that. It's about that our children and their generations will be affected. They have to have a world in which to live in. It's not about being a activist out there. It's more about how can we be the shift, because I don't believe in change. Change is like a band-aid. It's like I changed my name, but nothing else has changed about the person. 
So it's about a shift. A shift moves people forward. So, you know, Jay, without further ado, we're going to bring on Nicole Condit and also Miss Harriet Shigarman. Would you hold on for them? Let's let's bring okay. them on. Nicole, we're happy to have you from London. Thank you for being a part of our discussion today. Great to be here again. I really enjoy talking with you all, and it sounds like you've already had a great discussion about climate change in Nepal and all sorts of important issues. Yes, we did. And <laughs> without further ado, we're going to also bring on Miss Harriet Shigarman. They call her Climate Mama. Happy to be with you. Thank you so Hi much, there. Harriet, for joining us, and Nicole Condon, who's located in London, and please meet our co-host, Jay Logan, who's in San Francisco, and I'm also based in Jersey and New York. So, ladies, as you heard, we were just speaking about Nepal. Uh, Nepal is one of my favorite countries, and I can't wait to get into the discussion, uh, Harriet, Nicole, with uh, Jay and all of you, because Nicole is someone who I believe has visited Nepal. So I have, I have. We uh, we were there four years ago. Yes. So, ladies, we just want to let you know how the discussion and the format of the show will go, and also for our audience, if our audience would like to call in to speak to any one of these ladies, it's six six one two four four ninety eight hundred, and you press one, and we will put you in the queue to ask any questions of Harriet and Nicole or Jay Logan or myself. Now, ladies, we will at, we'll, we'll bring a subject in, either Jay or I will bring a subject in, and we're looking to look at what are the solutions. We'll you know, bring the subject up, matter up, and then we'd love to hear your personal opinions of what you think some of the solutions are going to be. And since Nepal is a country that's very close to my heart, I'd love to start there. You know, Harriet, Jay, and Nicole, we... You know, Nepal has had not one earthquake, but in a, in a sense, they've had two because they had another, uh, you know, another tremor. So this country, which is already, I won't say third world country, but it's already struggling, you know, to bring itself to the forefront of the modern world, as well as keeping their own culture in place. And just when they were, you know, I think coming up and starting to do very well, this happens to them. I don't even have the answers. I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, Harriet, you're dealing with climate. Nicole, you're visiting that country. What are your thoughts, ladies, on this? Sure, this um, is Harriet. I'm, I'm happy to. Oh. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Harriet. Go ahead, Nicole. Why don't you go there? Go there first. You've been well, no, there. I, just, I think I think one of the things that's been clear to me, and and we've kept in close touch with our guide from when we were there, and he's done a lot of work um, getting supplies in some of the remote villages. But I think the the thing that they really are going to need is help with the actual economic development and recovering with this. It's not going to be enough to just send aid, but we all have to think about you know what are the business opportunities there? How can we help them develop industry? How can we how can we get tourists back there? It's you know it's it's a, now a scary place, and I think you know if you look at a country where there's a very small cash cash economy, um, you don't want to you don't want to build aid dependence. What you want to build is is long term sustainability, and I think we need to think about that as as we move past basic aid efforts into what are we going to do that's going to allow them to continue economic growth in a sustainable way and not get caught up in just providing aid. And let, let me just uh, add to that. Those are all great points that Nicole raised. And I think that um, if we look at Nepal as a country that 
in terms of climate change that has the least impacts relative to many of the developing countries like us in terms of what we're doing to cause climate change. And as we move forward, we need to all be able to adapt and to be able to build up to create the types of infrastructure that will be able to deal with this. And, and developing countries or countries uh, like Nepal that have, as we saw now through this earthquake, with homes that are not built to withstand um, issues and problems associated with natural disasters as we move through with extreme weather events, different than earthquakes, but uh, extreme rains and snows that they've been experiencing over the last number of years in, in a much more consistent pattern places like Nepal. How can we help them help themselves in terms of building up, as Nicole said, beyond the aid, but actually helping them develop proper uh, systems for clean water, to uh, enhance agriculture, all of these different uh, mechanisms and tools that they'll need to do to have to deal with not only natural disasters like earthquakes. And again, you raised those questions, and I'm not going to address that in terms from the scientific perspective. But there are um, linkages between an increase in some of these more extreme natural disasters like earthquakes and climate. Um, that is not my forte, but as they move forward in addressing changes in their growing season, changes in their um, water uh, access, which all comes from you know, much of it from the uh, the clean sources that they have and how are they going to maintain and have access to that. Those are all things we have to help them also address once they get through the immediacy of uh, the disaster that they're facing now. Jay, do you have any thoughts? Well, I just wanted to get uh, on that first question you had. It talked about why are there earthquakes there. Well, we don't know why, but I know that these two earthquakes, Gale, technically were two separate earthquakes. The first earthquake was in the west. This last earthquake they just had was closer to the Chinese border. That means you got two di different aftershock versions going on. So they're actually having two earthquakes at the same time, and there's also been over 100 earthquakes there smaller aftershocks. So people are very afraid there. And something's going on because, um, and, and I agree with the first caller here, there's something that's going on, and we're going to have to build trust for that region for them to recover economically because it's a very fearful place to be because of these two separate earthquakes, which are two separate things. So they might have earthquakes there for a couple of years. This is not just a one thing, okay, we're done and we're back to uh, – you know, bread and butter again. So I want to just interject that. Well, you know, one of the things that I will say um, to end this um, this part of the segment is that with what everyone has said, the one thing that I would hope is uh, we have a tendency as the Western uh, Hemisphere to, as Nicole and Harriet pointed out, we have a tendency to give aid rather than focus on the economic side of it. And also, as Harriet says, to focus on why this happened climate-based. And my concern is that we have a tendency to give this money over to them expecting it, it, it's done conditionally. Then we want a piece of the country. And I would hope that we are doing this because countries really, they want support, but they want support to build their own infrastructure. And that's most important is building the infrastructure. The second part of this is that if, you know, this is traveling along a fault line that we are not dealing with, 
to think in the United States or in Europe or Latin America or even the Caribbean or Africa that we will not have this happen there is an, is taking for granted. Because when you have cataclysmic situations like this, whether you're making billions of dollars, it's not going to save you. Money won't matter. And life will matter at that point, and how do we build the infrastructure again? And one of the ideas, Harriet and, and Nicole and Jay, that I had is um, hire the own inhabitants of that country. Let them build their own companies to build, rebuild their own infrastructure in their own country and to have peace and pride within that. So, you know, before I go on, I would love to know your thoughts, um, Nicole, and what I've just said, Harriet and Jay. So, Nicole, if we could start with you again, that'd be great. Um, I, I agree with you because I think one of the things I saw when we were in India in March was the most successful programs were not just about teaching local crafts. They were about teaching people business skills and how to start a small micro-business, how to then link with other micro-businesses and grow as a consortium and exchange knowledge. And I think there are repeatable models there that we can put into any country. And that, that could be, you know, you could, you could be talking about Montana with people that are having challenges with their economy, and you can be talking about Nepal, and you can be talking about the Ukraine. I mean, I think there are lessons we can transfer amongst people with the communications we've got to allow people to use their resources in a meaningful way, exchange the knowledge about what worked, how they've done it, and and therefore reach different markets and build build their own economies in a way that's meaningful to them, build their infrastructure. And I think there are transferable lessons. If you're going to go build new clean water systems in Nepal, that's, that's a lesson we can learn and take back to the West as well because we certainly have contaminated water in the West. We certainly are not doing things in the best possible manner because we've got legacy systems. And I, I do think with, with the right set of communications and the right infrastructure, we can teach each other to do better and we can build these economies in a meaningful way. And I would just second what Nicole said. I think that we've learned our lessons from uh, the development work that we did in the 50s and 60s, and 70s, and even into the 80s where we tried to impose our ideas and thoughts and um, methods on communities around the world, and uh, when we left, they didn't stick, they didn't stay in most cases, and we know that people that live in a community are the best ones to be able to say what they need and what will work, and while we can come in and support their programs and ideas, and as Nicole um, rightly stated, whether it's in a developing country, a country like Nepal that was hit by uh, a devastating disaster or in many places in our own country here in the United States as well, uh, uh, the people that live there are best able to understand and to uh, put into words, and then we can help perhaps then with funding to put into place mechanisms that help build infrastructure, that help build long-term solutions to deal with impending or potential crises or to solve problems that exist and that all of those things can put people to work. Uh, they can shore up and support local economies and can be just a positive win-win all around. Thank you. Now, um, I'm going to bring one more subject to the table, and then Jay will bring the remaining two subjects to the table. Um, climate. You know, Harriet, I know this is right up your alley. 
I'm I'm just going to be very, you know I'm not scared of a lot of things and climate is one of the things I'm scared of Harriet just as a human being living here having a family um you know we had hurricane Sandy in New Jersey and New York and we're taking for granted I mean hurricane Sandy I was lucky the block I live on I live in downtown Jersey City and I was lucky that the block that I live on, not only was it not hit, the water receded and went back into the river a block ahead of us, and we had our our lights running up and within 18 hours. Most of Jersey City did not have that uh, blessing. I want to know what is it that we're doing wrong. I don't even like to read the articles about, you know, Antarctica. What is it that we are not seeing, uh, Harriet? Can you share that with us? Well, you know, I, I, it's complicated for sure, and I understand your feelings and concerns too, but we have to have our eyes wide open. Our mantra at Climate Mama, it's tell the truth, actions speak louder than words, and don't be afraid. And with all of those steps, it's very difficult. I think we have to start here, particularly in the United States, and make sure that the truth is told. We know that climate change that we're experiencing now is human-caused. We know that it's here, that we're living it, and, and that it's happening. We cannot, as a, as a immediate step, we can't, it's, we've allowed it to become politicized, particularly in our country. It's not a political issue. It doesn't matter what uh, political party you're from, uh, if you're blue, purple, green, or, or red. It is happening to all of us, as you said. It's happening in Jersey City. It's happening uh, with the drought we're experiencing in California. It's happening in many ways, shapes, and forms. So we need to recognize it, and we need to speak the truth. We need to take action, and those actions can be big and they can be small, uh, from shoring up and adapting to the, what's exper- what we're experiencing with climate change to preparing for the future as we move forward and also to mitigating what we're doing in terms of reducing our emissions. And we need to uh, recognize it. It's here and it's happening. And so while it is definitely scary, we can't shut our eyes to it because it's going to happen regardless. So I think a big step and something we all need to do, both at the local, state, and national level, we can't have climate deniers uh, in elected office or in the way of moving forward in actual policies and programs that can be implemented. And again, there's no one easy fix. It's not something that there's a silver bullet that's going to make it stop. It is scary, and it's happening, but we can make it less scary and less worse. And scientists are telling us you know, that while we are maybe reaching tipping points, we haven't necessarily crossed over them. So I think we have to have hope. We have to believe that there are steps that we can take. We have to do that not only for ourselves but for our children. It's not a problem that's going to face us seven generations down the road. It's a problem we are facing and, and must deal with now. And so I think that you like so many of us uh, in our country and the world over, it's, it is scary. Uh, it's, it's happening. It's not, again, something that's out of the science fiction and somewhere down the road. It's happening to us now, and we have to, you know, the first steps is accepting that it, it's real and happening. We shouldn't be debating that. It is. We need to move on with action plans, and we need to do them with our eyes wide open. Nicole, your thoughts? Well, I, I think one of the things that really struck me about what Harriet said that I think is really important is we need to depoliticize these issues. And we need to take the rancor out of the discussion and actually have honest discussions with one another, take the emotion out, and sit down 
whether it's with our friends and family, whether it's with our elected officials or, you know, the business leaders. We need to all be willing to to sit down and have honest conversations about what's happening and what we can do. Um, I think the more that we yell and scream and fail to listen to each other, the further away we get from solutions. And we're not solving our problems if all we're doing is pointing fingers about who's red and who's blue and who's purple. And I think, I think that's true on a number of issues, but I think particularly with this, we've got to all be willing to take a step back and say this affects us all. Now, I, you know, I may not like your solution, you may not like my solution, but this is going to affect us all, so we need to sit down, calm down, and actually work through step-by-step step what we can do. And, Jay, what about your thoughts about this? Uh, Jay, do we have you? I hope we do. Yes, we do. There's, there's 400, parts of, 400 parts of carbon dioxide for every million parts of everything else in our atmosphere. But that's kind of mind-boggling and numbering. Like, in other words, how many people will be killed by heat waves? How many species will go extinct? Not just polar bears, uh, you know, but how many species would die? What percentage of the world's coral reefs will be lost? How many, you know, how many low-lying nations, some of the, the island nations, will be at, we have to abandon because the sea has swallowed them up? You know, there's regions that's going to be swallowed by new exposed malaria and tropical diseases. Because of all of this, because of what we have done, because the world is that much hotter than it was in a million years of existence, this is the hottest our planet has been. So the climate that we're going to have to deal with, we could go through all of this within the next 30 years, and we might not be able to live on this planet if we don't slow it down. The place is not slowing down. Some of the levels of where we're at now, we had used those as uh, pretty much we wanted to stop at these points. But now we're at 400, <laughs> and the planet is pretty much burning up. So we need to do something within this next 10, 10-year block. I mean, I don't know if it's hybrid car, solar energy, something so we can keep our planet from blowing up and, you know, lose on all these wonderful animals and creatures that we have on the planet, you know, polar bears, you know. You know, polar bears up there, it's, 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 it's just really heartfelt. And I just want to say, you know, we need to do something soon. Well, we definitely do. And, you know, looking at the ecosystem, our entire ecosystem, that includes humanity as well as, you know, um, Nicole, Jay, and Harriet, um, our humanity and the animals here, they're uncovering new animals that usually would not be able to live within our atmosphere at the bottom of the ocean. We're finding that animals are mutating into species that we've never seen before. Um, There's new life at the bottom of the Caribbean right now that they've never seen that is coming up through the ocean floor. You know, um, animals that have, they also say that California is a catalyst to when you see new animals coming ashore, that there definitely is a cataclysmic situation that's going on. So we've had oil spills. We've had all of these things. And my only concern is that, um, you know, maybe I said the wrong words. I'm not going to take back what I said. I am fearful. I am concerned for uh, the human race and the animals that live on this planet. I'm I'm not going to take that back. But I also say that I do uh, see that there's a positive side of this. There are children speaking. They're standing up and speaking. And, I think that's the most important because sometimes as humans we don't listen to each other. We don't hear each other. And kids kids are really concerned. 
you know. Um, when you're digging in, in, in your garden and you're finding that the worms that are coming up that usually t- till the soil are now, um, they're coming up dead in, lo- in many regions of the U.S. where grounds are fertile. That's a, that's a deep concern. Or we have genetically modified foods that once they grow, there's no plant life coming out of them. These are some of the things that we need to tr- truly look at. What are we doing to our earth? Bio, you know, diversifying in general, and is that killing the earth? Uh, drilling oil in certain parts of the world that normally we wouldn't drill, you know. Um, there's a reason for fossil fuel. And, you know, looking at those parts, I'm sure we could go on and on from there. Um, so, Jay, would you take us to the next topic, please? Yes, I'm going to talk about uh, train safety this morning. Um, The infrastructure of our United States uh, Amtrak and all the all the government train tracks, the shape of them. And I know you guys might have heard this real bad accident in uh, Pennsylvania today. Heart goes out to them. I just want to get some thoughts on what can we do to prevent some of these accidents. Um, You know, we have all this stuff going on in our country. Red criminal act, criminal acts, terrorism, and I just want to have get you guys thoughts on this horrific, horrific accident that has killed uh, maybe uh, maybe twenty or ten people and left a lot of people in harm's way. Um, Nicole, could you talk a little bit about the accident? Have you heard about? I have heard about the accident. I think it's just it it, it was a shocking thing to to wake up to this morning. Um, I, I feel like I turn on the the news to death and destruction far too often. One of the one of the things I had I had hoped to see um, really come out of the the recession was really sort of a, a works progress administration for the 21st century. Um, the idea that we could put people back to work, stimulate the economy, and rebuild this crumbling infrastructure, I think, is an idea that whose time has come and that we ought to be considering and discussing um, because the the infrastructure is very dated, very old, and there there will be increasing accidents. I, there was the bridge that collapsed in Minneapolis five or six years ago. Um, there there have been just countless instances where had we been investing for the long term and doing continual, we wouldn't have seen this happen. And I think we need to look at public-private partnerships on this because it's going to impact business as well as, you know, citizens and communities. So I, I think it's it's another one of these – I think all of these issues are bound up, whether we're talking about climate change and how we address it, whether we're talking about the infrastructure, whether we're talking about education. We need to have a holistic discussion about how these things fit together, what our priorities are, and how we're going to invest in them. And if it means higher taxes, I think people will agree to that, but they have to be given some assurances that that money will be well spent, properly spent, and have the impact they're looking for and not just lining people's pockets. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah, I wanted to interject here. During that accident, a lot of the, a lot of the people, some of the victims of the accident have came out saying that the, the small town there in Pennsylvania, all the, all the people in the town were so nice, offering help. And that, makes me, mm-hmm. that gives me hope for America. That gives me hope because, you know, a lot, it's, it's a lot of coolness out there. And for this little town to put their hand out and let people use their restrooms and phones, and it, it really made me feel good that America is still America because that's something you see you don't see a lot of, you know. 
But when we go through these things, like this accident, all these tornadoes, I mean, all this, all this stuff is happening at the same time. We didn't even just the tornadoes and all the stuff that's happening in the Midwest in the tornado belt. But this climate thing has, has in fact, infected our infrastructure, where the roads aren't good enough, where the trains, we can't, we, we, we can't do enough maintenance to keep America well. So it's good to see these great individuals of the small town. I can't think of the name of the town, but thank you so much for reaching your hand out to all of the victims of that train accident because it just made me smile. So I wanted to just interject that in there. Yes, and, you know, I'd love to know Harriet's thoughts on, on this situation as well. What what are your thoughts, Harriet? Yeah, sure. In fact, it, I, it, it touched me very personally in that I was supposed to be in Washington, and I actually had a ticket for that train. Uh, I, I ended up canceling my trip uh, on Monday and didn't use it, but it was um, – I, I – Almost wow. was on that very train, so oh it definitely made me think a lot about um, yes, how how wonderful the people have been in helping those victims, but just how you know your life can change in a moment. But to the sort of bigger question about the train stations and infrastructure and the holistic approach in terms of the relationship to what's happening be, uh, because of our changing climate, there are so many incredible opportunities that climate change presents because of what we know in terms of the problems that our infrastructure faces. So not only rebuilding it stronger, but actually changing the way that uh, we use our transportation. We don't have a very uh, robust train and rapid transit system in many cities, nor, you know, we haven't updated Amtrak. As Nicole was saying, many of the bridges that our cars and trains travel over on a regular basis haven't uh, been kept up to standards. And we could be putting so many people to work in our own country to help rebuild many of those things. We built up many of our cities up over the 50s, 60s, and 70s on a car economy. We know for so many reasons that that just isn't going to be able to continue moving forward from everything from our use of fossil fuels to keep them going to the congestion and pollution that comes from that. So as we hopefully work to electrify that part of the system, we also need to upgrade our transportation system. You, uh, you know, in the New York City area, we, we're talking about you know to be able to go from Jersey City or areas into the into New York. It should be just so easy and so inexpensive, and yet it's so not easy and continues to be expensive. And so there's so many opportunities in a way because of the problems with that system that we could put in place to fix it. Um, you know, and we don't yet know the cause of this accident, but we do know that our rail systems. I take that train regularly. Uh, and regularly it breaks down because of problems on the tracks, things that happen. So, And I think that's a common thing around our country. We just haven't put money back in to our public yes. transportation systems. You know, Jay, I thank, thank you. I, I totally agree, Harriet. One of the things that um, – um, Harriet, I hope I didn't cut you off, did I? No, no, I was done. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Um one of the things that was a concern for me, I'm hearing money, and yes, that's important too. But, you know, I think that for some reason, and, and this is going back in history, I think hist historically, the people who build our bridges, a lot of people died in building those bridges. Um, you know, you're talking about building mm -hmm. an infrastructure so powerful below the almost the seaboard floor. 
because something has to be holding it up. So I look back and say, my God, how did they do it? You know, building bridges to that degree through the sea floor in, in a way that it has to stay so that the infrastructure of cars constantly going back and forth and human traffic going back and forth and, you know, the elements of the, the weather affecting it. So it's the same thing with the trains. Um, uh, my husband works with the train system um, as an engineer, and it, it's a very it, it's a very difficult situation. As much as they, they do put money into their infrastructure to build it up, there's always something new that's needed. There is miles and miles and miles of track. So I am not going to their defense, but I am saying that as someone who has an inside view of it, it's very, very difficult. It is very difficult because as our generations go further, and even though we have new maps, it doesn't matter. Like you'll you'll build up something, and something will something else will come apart. And it takes years, if not centuries, to rebuild all that was built from our forefathers who actually built those areas. I think also, um, as Jay pointed out earlier, with climate affecting now, with rain coming onto the tracks. When I go upstate with Metro North here, and we travel, and the Hudson River is right beside us, I always have had this uh, thing about traveling sometimes in the winter. I wanted to move upstate, actually. But with the rains and the level of snow that come, you often find water coming onto the tracks. But I have to say, Metro North, they're doing something right. They have their issues, but they're doing something right where they still don't have crashes. So I think that's a train station we can learn from. Um, you know, Nicole, you're over there in London. I had a business in London for seven years. And I would go to London often and not find too many issues with London's railroad in any weather. So I think that we need well, to Well, I think it, it depends on the weather. I mean, we, we certainly have – I think the privatization of the rail here was done in such a way that the they've disconnected the passenger service from the rail maintenance, which has its upsides, um, but it also has had downsides because I'm not sure as a – business they therefore want to go spend as much money as we might want to see and there's probably an argument that it is a pure public good that needs you know investment in it right right i can see what you're saying so i would just say that you know like you just said nicole harriet and jay there are certain transportation systems if we were all to come together that we could learn from one another have that dialogue on a solution-based situation that may to apply to a lot of uh, railroads and their municipi municipalities that can make a difference in that area. I like privatization, but I don't because I find privatization, it's money-based. What is going to be the profit and what is going to be the bottom line? When it comes to public safety and, and public good, I think that's when we need our government sometimes to step in because the government was created for service, servicing us, and they're held ac more accountable to that. So that's just my thoughts on this, and um, you know, thank you guys for sharing your thoughts. Um, Jay, where are you going to take us next? Well, I just wanted to say that um, um, we, we should we should talk about a little bit of some of the things that have to do with all the countries getting together and having talks in summits. Um, I think that um, we should all get together. Like we have this thing with Cuba. What do you guys think about that? Should we open those gates again? Over there, or should we just 
stands ass like we've been having a close conversation with Cuba. And I'm seeing the you know I'm seeing the Pope and everybody rallying to Cuba's uh, to open up Cuba's economy. Would that help America by us doing that, or should we still have a cold shoulder? Well, I've actually been to Cuba, um, and I was, I think everybody talks about the great old 50s cars. I was shocked at the time by the lack of good services, resources available to the people there. Um, I think to have a, you know, to have any of those Caribbean nations sitting there alone is, not the right answer for us as human beings. I also don't think it's the right thing politically because, you know, that there there are other forces that want that want to sway them, and I think we've seen that with Venezuela having discussions with Cuba. So I think we would rather have our friends close than have somebody sitting on our doorstep that is not our friend. Um, so I'm I'm all in favor of talks with Cuba. I am frankly all in favor of talks with. Putin. I think the more we all talk to each other, the better. I would like to see more conversation at levels below that of state leaders having big fancy dinners and more conversations between, you know, all of us normal citizens at finding ways to whether that's people to people sort of ambassador programs or finding dialogues on the Internet or whatever whatever other options are available to us. Maybe it's good old-fashioned pen pals, but I think the more we are able to talk and recognize how we are the same and learn from each other's differences, the better off we are as human beings and, and, and able to solve our problems on a global basis. And I, I agree with Nicola um, entirely. I spent uh, 13 years working at the United Nations, uh, actually for the International Monetary Fund as a, as a their UN Specialist, I traveled to many international conferences uh, and meetings around the world where uh, countries came together to agree on um, overall policies and programs. I do agree that oftentimes from the outside that those, and even when you are inside of it, it's a lot of talk and you wonder what actually gets done, and specifically on climate, where for the last 20 years we uh, haven't really come to any positive uh, agreements and hard and fast binding commitments. We have hope that in November of this year when the UN brings countries together on climate negotiations that will at least move farther and forward in that direction. But we do, I believe, need that top down. It needs to come from the bottom up, but we need agreement that we're going to move forward on many uh, on international cooperation, but the world has changed even in 20 years since we started negotiating on climate issues, or more than that, back in 1992. And as Nicole has said, there's so many other ways for us to cooperate and communicate and come together uh, and discuss options and ideas. We started this conversation talking about learning from people on the ground and what they're doing, and absolutely there are so many ways that through open communication, be it with uh, countries next door like Cuba or other ones far around the world, that we can learn important things on in, in, in every way, shape, and form, how to grow our food, how to clean our water, how to build better train stations, whatever it is. I think that we're recognizing that we've opened up so many opportunities with being able to communicate like we are doing now via the Internet in different ways 
we can learn from one another. Um, so I think that, yes, uh, the more open that we can be and have a- people access at different levels, too, beyond just at the top, that uh, the more things that, and positive change that we can create. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Jan, I've brought two topics each to you ladies, and we're not we're not going to keep you much longer, but we'd like you just to join in with one more topic, cultural equity. People really, you know, when they hear that word, you know, we hear about gender um, equality, gender equity, but cultural equity, you know, um, and this is, I'm going to ask this in terms of youth, education, and family, like kind of all in one. You know, I, I believe both of you, I know that Nicole is a mother, and um, I'm I'm going to assume, Harriet, from Climate Mama, that means that you're a mother as well. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And so this is great, and Jay is a mother, and I'm a proud aunt, and I'm the mother of a little dog. So um, cultural equity, most often our children grow up in homes where it's first generation, they're the first generation Americans, all right? And though they think that, you know, oh, culture is not affecting them, if they're from China or Nepal or Africa or African-American or Caucasian-American or, you know, uh, Latin-American, they can be the first, or European-American for that fact, they can be the first generation here. But because the environment in their home is still, you know, subconsciously based on what they see their parents do, uh, the, the thought patterns of their parents, they can be offended by things that are said outwardly, you know, whether it's about education, how you should learn, all of these things. Recently, I came across a young lady who was at the Women of the World Conference with Tina Brown. And one of the things her and her mother said to me was, I asked her, what do you love about your life and what do you, what do you, you know, what lessons would you impart on, you're 15, but what would you impart on the younger girl of yourself? And she said, well, that I could do anything I wanted, but that I am tired of society, both from a cultural point of view and in general, putting the pressure on me as a kid to tell me I'm the leader of tomorrow. There's so much pressure on us, almost like the adults are living through us. And, you know, Nicole and I, and and we've had these conversations offline, Jay and I have had these conversations offline. Parents are pushing kids this way in some ways, societal pressures, um, and I'm not saying all parents, but a lot of that, the schools are pushing them that way. Um, you know, we have the International Baccalaureate students. We have uh, Common Core that's coming up. There's so much coming at our students. I spoke to the mother, and the mother said, I absolutely feel that way, that my daughter is this every day in school. You are the future. You must be this without the expense. Parents, Nicole and Harriet, I would like to hear from you your thoughts on that and solutions. Well, my poor children are under so much pressure, I don't think they can see straight. Um, <laughs> I think they're, they're I, 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 it's really, um, I, I think they are under a lot of pressure. I think. On, on the one hand, you think you're doing the right thing, you expose them to the news, you expose them to a lot of people, but they do get that message continually that the world is harder than it used to be, that there's a lot of competition, that there's a lot of unemployment, and that it all starts now. Um, I think that they are, I think they're very afraid from a young age that if they 
fail at any point in time, they have failed and they are done, which is a very different message than we all learned, which I think was very much, okay, that didn't go well. Pick yourself up, start over again, and what are you going to do about it? I think they are under a tremendous amount of pressure, and maybe more so because they see the global world. They understand that there's competition. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about cultural norms, you know, all everybody brings their cultural their cultural vision to to education, um, and some of that's you know some of that's good. I think it, it's great when you look at you know you look at the tiger mothers, you look at the way they expect excellence. There's something we can all learn from that, but we also need to then put our piece in and say actually there's also time for play, there's time for drama, there's time for art. It's all got value. Um, and it, it is a difficult point in time because the children are, you know, I think they are. I think they're expected to go off and save the world when we all failed to. Um, and they know that. <laughs> so I think, you know, how how do we balance that? I think we, you know, we do try and keep some art and music in schools. I am a big believer in actually less standardized testing. I know we've got we've to meet some basic you know, some basic skill levels, but I think better to prove that they can do that in a classroom setting to their teachers than to be tested by filling in bubbles. Um, and I think, as I said to you before, Gail, I think, you know, the, the more we are properly educating people so that they are learning to think, learning to analyze, and learning to ask questions, that's where the benefit is to them. That's where the benefit is to society. Um, but those are hard things, and that, that would take a culture shift whether you're, you know, a fifth-generation American or a first-generation American. That's a, that's a big shift to say we want you to learn, we want you to question, we want you to, to look at the world around you. And I, I think these are, all, these are all huge issues. I mean, we could talk about them for the next eight hours like any of these issues, but I, I think it is a problem, and I think we need to, as adults, we need to help them um, and you, you shared a great piece from the Huffington Post the other day, 50 Things I Wish I'd Learned in High School. And there were some wonderful things in there about I wish I had learned to manage my time. I wish somebody had talked to me about these things. And maybe, again, it's, it's back to having a dialogue. Well, you know, Nicole, I wish I could take credit for that, and Jay wishes he could take credit for that for Savoy. But it was actually our social media person who shared that. And we want to give a shout-out to um, uh, Crystal uh, griffin Burno. Uh, in Jersey City, who's actually been doing a great job with um, with our social media, and to Emma Agal, who's been doing the social media as well for both Jay and I. And you know, the one They've thing been doing I a great to, job. Thank you so much. And one of the things I want to say to that is, my personal thing is, I heard we had a student come on, and 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 Nicole, you know her, and Harriet, you you'll learn to know her. She's one of our international baccalaureate student ambassadors. She said one of the things she loves from her parents. One parent, you know, gives her the freedom to go and go for what she wants. I want all of us as adults to remember something. We all had mothers and fathers that were pretty strong, and they gave us choice. We have to remember not to put our choices on them. We want the best for them, but kind of we had our own journey. You know, even students who go to Harvard and they mess up in school, but then they get right back on. That's a learning curve that they needed for themselves. 
Everyone has a journey, and we have to allow them to move towards that journey without the added pressure of you need to be this or you need to be that. That's important. And, um, you know, that's all I wanted to say. Um, Harriet, I know that you're next, and we definitely want to hear from you as a mom. Yeah, you know what, they're all, as uh, both you and Nicole said, I mean, there are huge issues and there are things we could talk about for days and years. And I have to say that as a a mother and as someone who works full-time on climate change issues that and uh, uh, someone who's raising her children, I have two teenagers actually uh, in the Northeast where there's a lot of pressure, societal pressure on what you're going to do, what college you're going to, all of those kind of things. And those kind of pressures are different depending where you are in the world. Uh, I think we have to talk to our kids about the realities that are going to happen and are being put in place for them as they're growing up. It is a different world because of our changing climate. There are going to be uh, stresses and realities that they're going to face that we wouldn't have been able to dream of when we were their age. And we need to help them have open eyes to that. And I think we can't lead um, and leave them with false ideas as well, too. And I struggle with this, and I don't have answers um, per se, but that it, it it will be more difficult because of decisions we have made and put on them. And we, as a society and as parents, can't um, say, now it's your problem and we've plopped it on your lap and you figure it out. Because I think we still, and we talked about that earlier in the conversation about uh, voting in both elected officials or supporting companies that are working to create change. And uh, um, how are we going to help them deal with, you know, the changes that will be before them? And we can't expect them to fix them. We still have to be there to help move us in a positive direction. But we also can't mislead them that, you know, if they follow X, Y, or Z, the world is going to just be an easy place for them. So, again, very personally as a parent, it's something I I struggle with. I have uh, good friends that are making a film about what what we didn't tell our children uh, in relation to climate change and how do you talk to them. And I think those are important and difficult questions that we need to actually look at um, more carefully uh, in being able to advise them. So I'm going to just... open up those things, but put it out there. I don't have the answers. I think that um, your, you know, question, your framing it in terms of also uh, cultural equity, we, we need to look at what we can learn from indigenous people, peoples that around the world that have faced problems and faced adversity and solved them in other ways. We may, It's not all coming to us you know, from places like Harvard, et cetera, there's a lot that we can learn from people that are close to the earth that see what's happening and can help us. So I think we need to have our kids have open minds, uh, teach them to look in unexpected places for answers, and um, just be there to support them as we all move through this uncharted journey. Harriet, you, you you know, I'm laughing because you just took the last statement that I was going to say when everyone had statements at the end. What was everyone's statement? And it was the indigenous part. Um, Jay, I just wanted to get in here for a second with Harriet. You know, um, Harriet, you've worked at the UN, which I didn't know that. I'm at the UN practically every other day um, with what Jay, the work that Jay and I both are doing. And I can tell you that the indigenous cultures, they're not, they're still not being listened to, as you know. And mm-hmm. now 
I have to say that Ban Ki-moon, I have a lot of respect for him as Secretary General. He's allowed for open dialogue in a way that I've never seen the UN before. And the indigenous cultures are now, at one point, you know, two years ago when I'd go to the UN, eh, not really, but now they're being heard because they're the closest to the earth that there is. And I don't want to sound like I was being uh, contradictory earlier on. I didn't say it correctly. They are now being heard when at a time they weren't. You know, whether they're Fiji or one of my favorite countries, Samoa, or, you know, um, uh, uh, there's an area called Guinea, but it's... um. I can't pronounce the name of it, but it's also over in the Polynesian area. I love Polynesian culture. Um, There is a lot to be said about that culture and the understanding of it. Um, My father is also full-blood Cherokee from Tahlequah, which a a lot of people will say they're partially Cherokee, but they're they're not. And my father still speaks the Cherokee language. So there's a lot to be learned from the earth, and I'm grateful that I have a part of that in my culture, but I didn't grow up in it. But I've learned it, and it's a part of me, and I'm, and I'm grateful for it. So there is something to be said about culture and how can we learn from indigenous cultures because they know more and have a sense of the energetic fields of the earth and everything, even the Maori people over in New Zealand. I could go on. Um, so, you know, um, Jay, what, is, what are your thoughts on the subject matter that we've just stated? Do we have you, Jay? Well, kids. Yeah, I'm here. Kids, kids need to know for, about the indigenous cultures, the Mayans, and, and how different, you know, different type of foods and herbs and things that can heal us and, and keep the body regenerating. I think we don't have enough of that. Kids, you know, with, with my daughter, because I'm a father, I find my daughter learns better with a tutor than in class because they're always being thrown off and out of focus with all the digital you know, your iPhone, your texting, your kids. I sat in their class, Dale and um, Nicole, the other morning, and I was just watching all the kids. You know, all the kids are on their phones. The teacher's talking, but, like, when we were younger, we were going to school, you know, we didn't have these distractions in school. So since the world is going so fast, you don't have the time to dream anymore. Kids don't have time to be creative anymore because they're so busy in this, in this digital realm, this digital world. So we need to get back. You know, we, need, we definitely need to get back to some of the um, indigenous cultures, cultures, the things we used to do. What's wrong with playing Scrabble? What's wrong with playing Yahtzee? Which, I mean, I mean, these games, this thing that you do with your family. You know, being family-oriented family is healing. A lot of kids, they don't have time. They, it's just, they don't even have time to watch TV. Now, that sounds crazy because they got iPhones and iPods. Hey, I have to interrupt you. Um, Nicole <laughs> and Harriet are going to laugh. Because, Nicole and Harriet, I've been saying this on the radio for years, and he's been talking about technology. So I'm about, <laughs> to, hit the, I'm about to hit the floor that I'm actually hearing him say this because he <laughs> – Jay, I just wanted to make sure that we're touching the computer and I'm touching everything right now because this is shocking, okay? <laughs> I just had to put that out there. Yeah, well, I, intend to, I intend to hang up and go play tennis with my son. So as soon as we're done, I'm going to go it. play tennis with my son. So. <laughs> we love it. This is great. You know, and so, Jay, please finish, and then we are going to close out our oh. show. Well, that's, Harry, that's what I'm talking about. You know, we need to live life a little more and put some of these things down. And I, I do. I've been the main culprit saying, hey, you need digital technology to do things. Yes, but it doesn't need to take over your life. You know, know, that's what I'm saying, you know, because doing things is healing also. Sitting with your grandmother, 
you know, helping her bake some brownies. You know, just simple things that we used to do we take for granted. We don't get to do anymore because of all of this stuff that's happening, you know. So I just want to cut. I don't want to take, I want to hog this whole man up. I'm going to give it back to you, Gail. But I just wanted to say I totally agree with what you have been telling me for the last five years. <laughs> well, you know, and with, and with that said, i just like everyone to make a last statement. I want to thank Nicole Condit-Duncan and Harriet Chigar Climate Mama for being on the show with us. It's been an incredibly enlightening conversation with both of you. And, um, you know, Nicole, always thank you for being with us. And, Harriet, I hope you will come back and join us sometime in the future. And, Absolutely. You know, it's been an amazing call. So one of the things I'm going to say for the last, uh, my last words are, it's important that we spend time as a family because family, as Jay has said, is healing. And I've been saying this for years because I've lost my mother in three years ago. And part of why Jay and I are doing what we're doing is in memory of my mother and, you know, in honor of his mother who's still alive as well. And parents in general, it's very important that we continue to be with our uh, youth it's important that we give them the chance to grow on their own, you know, choices and that we inform them, but inform them in a way that's not overwhelming. And I'm um, just grateful for people like Harriet and Nicole who are on with us. And the last, my last solution to things are we need to have not dialogue about what's going on because there's a lot of conversations about what's happening. Where are the solutions and start to take those solutions on into action. So that's that's my last thing. Um, Nicole, Jay, and uh, Harriet, if you would, you know, any last sentiments before we leave the call? I'd just like to say, I mean, I think every time we're able to connect like this and we're all able to, to you know, explore these ideas, I think it gives me hope because I realize that none of us are in this alone and we all know that we've got to find these solutions. I think that's just so affirming because so often – we are sitting behind our computers. We are sitting alone in an office, and we fail to connect. And I, I think these moments are important that we, we grasp them, whether we're, we're connecting on the radio like this, whether we're connecting online, whether we're connecting face-to-face, that we take the time to really talk and listen to each other and realize that we are all here together and that we've all, you know, we're all facing the same thing. And I just find these conversations so reaffirming and so hopeful. So thank you all. Harriet, yeah, or and I, yeah, and I just uh, the same thing. I think that it's important to have dialogue to recognize that while we all may uh, be different in many ways, we're so we're very similar in many ways too, and we do face many similar uh, issues. And there are many opportunities out there that we can help each other see and understand. We won't always have all the answers or everything uh, all all in a row to move forward with solutions, I think, as you said, sometimes we just have to jump into them and move forward because we know that there are many challenges that aren't waiting, uh, many changes that are happening, and we can learn a lot intergenerationally. We can learn from our children and teach our children, and I, I think we just have to move forward. We can't wait for everything to be perfect. It never will be. Uh, I think, as Nicole said, we t- have to take the politics out of it and just talk to one another and move things forward. And thank you for having a, a dialogue and a place where people can talk about all these different things. Thank you. Jay, I guess you'll be the last word to take us out. I'd just like to say, you know, some some people don't like change, but sometimes change might not be good for the individual, but change is good for the overall, overall humanity. 
So embrace change because sometimes you might look at things might not be better for you, but it might be better for everyone as a whole. So I just want to say and spread that news to the nations and all the countries to listen. We all need to get together and have a dialogue and embrace change. Thank you all. And as you've heard from everyone, I hope that um, the UN is listening, and I hope everyone else that's listening, you will hear the ideas of the people on this call and not look at it as individual ideas but as solutions. With that said, Nicole Condit-Duncan, Harriet Sugarman, and, Sugarman, and uh, Jay Logan, and myself, we thank each other for being on the call, and we're going to leave out with Everyone's a Treasure by Patent Leather. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 